This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. 2017 is going to be a volatile economic year. We may see politicians throughout the world attempting to control central bank policies. Several renowned financial analysts have warned that political interference in central bank policies may mean our economic misses of inflation and growth targets. Gold is an international currency that can't be issued or controlled by governments. If you don't have the only hard currency that has outlasted every politician and every failed idea of governments for centuries, you need to speak to Goldline right now and learn how easy it is to add gold to your portfolio or IRA. Now is the time to diversify your financial portfolio by adding gold. Call 1-800-913-GOLD. Buying real gold is easy and fast at Goldline. And you're going to be happy that you finally made the call. 1-800-913-4653. Goldline also offers price protection against short-term market fluctuations on qualifying purchases. So buy with confidence. Read Goldline's important risk information and find out if buying gold is right for you. Call Goldline. 1-800-913-4653. This Irish man stands with America. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Hello, America. Thank you so much for tuning in today. This is the Freedom's Disciple podcast. I am your host, Jonathan Dunn. This is the only show exclusive to the Blaze where you come for the accent, but you stay for the principles. I hope you are having a wonderful, relaxing week. Um, Apologies I missed last week. Last week was crazy. You have no idea. (laughs) So I was in D.C. last week. Um, I was at CPAC. And I want to talk to you today. I want to share some some things I learned um, when I was away on vacation. Actually, it really wasn't a vacation, to be truth be told. It was more of a, a stressful long, um, long, busy, but fruitful week. So I was at CPAC last week and I got to, I got to meet a lot of cool people and I got to hang out with some even cooler people. I got to see people I have never, who have known for a very long time and known online, known through work, but never actually physically meet, met before. And it was awesome to meet some people and, and hang out where I could. I didn't exactly have a lot of time, so I didn't get to spend anywhere, you know, any quality time one-on-one with many people, bar my work colleagues. So CPAC was very interesting. I, I always go to these events or... Or when I go to something new, like it's my first CPAC. And when I go to something, I always go with the intention of I want to spend less time talking and more time listening. When I engage with people, I want to I wanna see where your head is at. I want to discuss things with you. And, and I, I had some very interesting conversations which I want to share with you today. I want to just share... Today's show is not going to be really principle-based. It's more going to be story-based and, and just sharing some things I learned um, over the course of CPAC. So, for those of you who listened in, um, we did 27 hours of live coverage. Um, it was amazing. I It was incredible. It wasn't as organized as I would have liked. The internet at the Gaylord kind of sucked. But we got to interview, and I think they were really good interviews, and I'm not just saying that because I did most of them, but I think that the quality of the interviews I was really happy with, and I didn't ask the standard generic questions everyone gives out, 
I try to make each one individual and, and try and focus in on what people talked about. If you want to go check them out, if you go to Spreaker, um, a lot of them are up just in short clip format. Um, if you go to Lantern's Buzz on Spreaker, um, you'll see interviews with Zuddy Jasser, Matt Schlapp, Doc Thompson, um, Lawrence Jones, um, a lot of good people. Matt Kibbe even stepped by. Um, there's a lot of good, good, solid quality interviews there. Um, and I, again, I try to ask different questions. But CPAC was interesting. I want to talk to you about CPAC because if you listened um, during my coverage, you will have heard me say something time and time again through the three days, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, a common theme of one of my concerns. And I kind of want to talk to you about one of them right now. I've I've seen CPAC um, from a distance. I've been watching it. And I've seen the internal struggle there's been over the last 5, 10, 15, you can go all the way back to the Reagan years, 20, 25 years, of whether, what its role is. You know, wh- who controls it, who runs it, who organizes it. It's been a struggle between conservatives, libertarians, and republicans. And for me, there was a lot of substance missing. I even, when I interviewed Matt Schlapp, I kind of, I addressed some concerns I had with him on air. I wanted to, to give him the opportunity to, you know, respond. My fear was, and it still is even after coming home and watching some speeches, is there was a lack of substance there. Maybe I'm just one of those nut jobs, um, far right kooks who really wants to hear certain things. Maybe what I want to hear just doesn't sell anymore. Maybe what I want to hear just isn't popular or hip anymore. And that just doesn't draw crowds. Maybe that is what it is. But I didn't hear much about America the idea. I heard it in very passing glances at best from a couple of speakers. I didn't hear a true case of why America is exceptional. Not great, but why it's exceptional. And I didn't hear much about the Constitution. I heard it from a small bit from Larry Arn. I heard it a small bit from Mark Levin and Ted Cruz, but not a whole lot, considering there was a 100 speakers. For me, it didn't come across. On the ground, and this isn't from Matt or any of anybody on CPAC, on the ground there's the, there was this buzz of, through the audience, through some of the speakers, where a lot of people seem to have bought into the whole, we just need a big tent. We just need a big tent. And get the most people we can into that tent as possible. That's fine, but what do you do when you get them into that tent? For me, CPAC, maybe, and maybe I'm just been stupid here or been anal, but, you know, C in CPAC stands for conservative. And if you have this big tent idea where let's just get as many people into this tent, into this room as possible, great. Now you have to hit them 
with some, and not hit them, but but empower them to see the light, to show them the real conservative, to show them real conservative values historically, to show them why freedom really is a wonderful, wonderful thing, to show them how limited government empowers the individual and it changed the way the world operated when America was founded. To talk about America being different. To this day, America is still a unique nation. Whether you believe in American exceptionalism or not, or whether you believe in the idea that is America and the ideals that go behind it that help be, help form you and make you become the superpower that you are. If you don't believe in any of that and you just look at facts and figures, cold hard facts and figures, America is unique. There is no other country, country like it. I didn't hear any of that. All I heard was more hot air. All I heard was a load of people speaking, patting themselves on the back, talking about America's grace, and very few policy situations. And I... I'm very concerned about that. Sorry, the jet lag is still here. I'm very concerned about it. And here's why. I'm concerned because if CPAC doesn't talk about the things I want, America the idea, America exceptionalism or the constitution, who else is going to talk about it? Who else is going to be that beacon to say, this is the answer. This is the way forward. Anyone can have that dream. Anyone, anyone can aspire for a better tomorrow. Anyone can understand why America is great and then seek to put those ideas and ideals into practice. And they can help become part of the next greatest generation. For me, there was just a lack of deep substance. And I say this not to insult anyone. I say this not to demean anyone. I say this as a plea for next year and for the years forward. CPAC has a lot of potential. CPAC has the potential to be a major driving force in politics and in culture. The one thing that really surprised me, and I, I, I can't say I was surprised because I, I've heard reports from previous CPACs been similar, but there was a lot of young, young people at CPAC. A lot, if I had to put a number, I would say 50 or 60% of the audience was probably under 35 it was very young, very diverse, a very different group. They're the people who we should be reaching. We should be reaching out to everyone, to be honest. But as I said many times in there when I, when I was explaining to people and, and asking people like Lawrence Jones, who's like twenty in his early 20s, I was like, how can we reach people like your age? Because for me, 
just the way I see the world and logic in my brain. I'm, I'm not saying this is the right way. I'm just saying this is the way my brain thinks. You remember the old Winston Churchill saying, if you're not a liberal by until you're 35, you haven't got a heart. But if you're not conservative after you're 35, you haven't got a brain. Well, I never really understood that logic because for me, if anything, young people, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, should be right-wing, borderline anarchist because that makes the most sense to me. Can you show me a 17 or 18-year-old after living under under a parent's roof goes, do you know what I just need in my life right now? I just need more rules and regulations. I need more structure. I need more guidance. I need to act more responsible. I need more people to tell me exactly what I can and can't do. To me, that doesn't work in my brain the way my brain thinks logically. Logically, to me, college students especially, especially when you, especially in America where you go like you can go across the country, you can put 6,000 miles between you and your parents just to go to college, to get away from them. For me, logically, it's an assumption, for me in my brain anyway, college students and young people should be going, hey, no, I want no more rules. I want no rules. I want anarchy. That doesn't work. But at least it would make logical sense in my brain. How do we reach these people? Well, CPAC has done a great job reaching out to them and getting them to CPAC. It was a lot of young people. But this whole big tent, and I'll leave you with this question. And by the way, if I'm wrong or you have an answer for me, please tell me. I'm, I'm open to listening and to learning from others. But what is the point in working hard and long hours trying to build a big tent if at the end of the day you're not going to discuss principles? If at the end of the day you're not going to discuss anything meaningful? What's the point? Just don't build a big tent and just let everyone go along the way they're going to go. If you're going to build a big tent, be something different. Stand out. Challenge the status quo. Again, I say this not to demean or insult, but to empower. CPAC and other organizations have great opportunities and have wonderful chances to be part of America's revival. But if all you focus on is getting a big tent and no, there is no discussion of principles, well, then all you got is a big tent. I don't know what the answer is, but it's something for you all to think about. I say, if I'm wrong, let me know. I'm on social media. I'm not hard to find. I got to take a quick break, America. I'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. Freedom versus freebies. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn. On the Blaze Radio Network. The progressive movement is full of lies. Why do Americans keep falling for the deception? In his new book, Liars, Glenn Beck reveals the simple answer, fear. At our most basic level, we're all afraid of something. And progressives exploit this by offering us solutions to our fears. Solutions based on lies and an unrelenting hunger for power and control. Understanding the roots of these lies is key to helping us stop the disease of progressivism. 
Liars by Glenn Beck. On sale now at glennbeck.com slash liars. You're listening to Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Thank you so much for sticking with me, America. I want to talk to you about finishing off just some final thoughts on CPAC. But I, I, I really did get to meet a lot of wonderful people. And I got to meet Ted Cruz for the first time, for the second time. First time actually getting to speak to him. I, I didn't meet him and shake his hand, oh, about four or five years ago um, when he was a freshman senator. And it was very interesting meeting him. And, you know, in case you didn't see the pictures, I decided... To for being at CPAC, how to stand out and to be nice and to bring gifts to people. I brought five kilograms of Irish chocolate. And we gave them out to everyone that we met and people, you know, came by the booth and, I, you know, we gave them out to as many people, volunteers and people who served and who were working there, but also our guests. And I offered, he came by our booth and... And I offered him Irish candy, and he said no, he was watching. He was trying to be good, to quote-unquote. Um, it's funny because the reason I share this story is for most of last year, I got called a Glenn Beck attack dog and that I endorsed him, and which I found hilarious because I didn't. But, you know, I just want to put all those rumors to bed and, and just be official and say one thing. Ted, you refused Irish chocolate. You're dead to me. To quote another Blaze host, you're dead to me. Because any politician who does not have the good sense to appreciate and accept Irish chocolate, which you don't get every day, clearly lacks a bit of sense and substance. Because do I look like I'd refuse Irish chocolate? Or any chocolate? American chocolate? English cut chocolate? I'm going to take it all. But maybe there's a reason I am who I am and Ted is who he is. But he, he seemed like a decent guy. I, ch- I had a private one-to-one with him for about 30 seconds, 45 seconds and um, when he was passing. Seemed like a very nice guy, very intelligent. But I want to talk to you about CPAC because I got to meet many, many people. People who were at CPAC and... And I got to talk and actually not, sorry, not talk, but listen to other people's opinions and what they wanted and, and what they were looking for in speakers. And I heard an interview on a separate note. Yeah, I'm making a point here. I'm, I heard an interview a couple of weeks ago. And one of the sayings, and it was very apt, but it was about God. And it was, God is missing, but, it's not, but he isn't missed. That's kind of how I feel about CPAC. And about, in general, I'm, I'm, I know I'm making a generalization, which is never true, because I know there were very conservative people there. And very principled people there. But when I got to talk to a lot of just the general attendees, because on Thursday, Thursday we were in Radio Row, we did 11 to 2 on the Eastern and literally at 2 o'clock, as our show was going off the air, Secret Service just tell us, go. take your, Don't take your stuff. Just take what's important and leave. 
because they were sweeping the building for Vice President Pence. So we went outside and we just literally congregated in the halls, all general attendees, media staff, people, everyone. And we didn't know when we were getting back in. And because we left all our equipment there, we couldn't just leave and go get something to eat. We waited around because we didn't know how long we'd be. It ended out to be about two hours and 30 minutes. And I just got to talk to people. I was just talking and listening and seeing what they wanted. Because it was Thursday. It was the first day of CPAC. What are they expecting? And what really hit me by the amount of people I spoke to both Thursday, Friday and Saturday was... A lot of principles were missing, but no one seemed to know they were missed. There was a lack of substance at that that people wanted. And the one thing that hit me was, even at CPAC, was the lack of history, the lack of constitutional talk. Now, maybe people are listening to me going, kind of going, oh, the Constitution again, John. America is an idea again. Maybe this isn't is boring to people. Maybe, maybe I'm just one of those fanatics. But I think we have an opportunity, and this isn't about CPAC. I think CPAC is a great opportunity. But those who are listening, who can articulate why America is an idea can articulate why the Constitution and the Trilogy of Freedom, as I call it, is one of one great set of divinely inspired documents that will stand the test of time. I think we have an opportunity to share our message and to share a message and make a very positive contribution to society. Because when I saw the debates between people, when I saw discussions between people, I I didn't... I'm trying to say this in the nicest possible way, but they weren't traditional conservative principles. It seemed everyone was on the bandwagon of winning. Just win. Just win. That's all I want. Just win. And I think, and I'm, I've always been convinced of this, and I've shared this with you, but I think our message, the, the limited government, federalism, the Constitution, the Declaration of Independence, empowering the individual, inspiring the individual to dream big, huge, gigantic dreams, encouraging people to change the world, I think that's an empowering message that isn't heard anywhere near enough. Even listening to people at the ground, at the ground level, the the people who are just attending CPAC, I just felt there was a big void missing. Now, maybe you say, maybe it is just a case of what I want to talk about is just not popular anymore and it's dead. But maybe, just maybe, it's an opportunity, once again, to share those principles with people. Maybe, just maybe, it's an opportunity to change the dialectic of discussions, the dialogues. Because I listen to both sides, 
I saw the media reporting stuff. You know, your typical stuff I don't watch. I had them on. They had them on the hotel all the time. You know, the Good Morning America, CNN, ABC, all the alphabet soup. And what they said about the right is not true. And the way the right talk, that's not true conservatism either. You're in a paradigm where traditionally, and I will say traditionally what is conservative isn't what people are calling conservative today. And maybe it's, I am trying to be more positive about the future. And I'll talk about that in the next segment. But the more and more I listened to people, the more and more I engaged with people, the more and more I came became convinced that the principles that America has traditionally held true, the principles and the values that I have loved America for, are missing in society. They really are missing in society today. But the biggest thing is, no one knows they're missed. We've gone from just ignoring them principles, going, ah, look, that's just too easy, that's too hard, that'll never get anything done, you'll never get anything accomplished, you'll never win with those principles. We seem to have gone to the next stage where no one even misses those principles, no one even has the ideas that we used to have in the past. You know, I did many in many media interviews personally during the week while I was actually stateside, and I got asked a question, and it was a, I thought it was an interesting question. They said, "You've been around politics for long. How have we changed?" And I, and I can give you countless examples, but evil the evil conservative, you know, those right wingers who are always obstructionists, have changed over the last ten years. I remember under Bush. We were always the one cutting the government. We were talking about, at different times, abolishing different agencies. We were abolishing taxes. You know, we were hated because we always wanted to get rid of stuff. Now, in 2017, people are happy on Obamacare, for an example, going back to the 2010 level of tax as if that was somehow conservative. I remember many debates on taxes about flat tax and fair tax. They don't happen anymore. When was the last time you ever saw that even been discussed? The conservatives of today are taking positions that the conservative of 10, 15 years ago would have found abhorrent. Would have, oh, you're just a moderate. You just, want, you just want to govern. You just want to get things done. That change happened over a long period of time. I think... The more and more I see things, the more and more I look at it through a prism of we have such an opportunity ahead of us. We have an opportunity to get our message out there. We have an opportunity to show the world there is a third option. Because both of the options have been discussed at the minute generally suck. Especially when it comes to economics. We have such an opportunity ahead of us. If only we will take it and stop looking backwards and going forwards. You know, I had a great conversation with a veteran 
Um, we interviewed him for the radio show and I got to talk to them privately after the interview and we hung out a bit. And I don't know whether he's liberal or conservative, nor do I even particularly care. But one thing I learned at CPAC, I learned from these two men, especially Urschel, was this. He said, he was talking about his charity. They have a great charity where they help vets, you know, come back from from war and they help them acclimatize and write CVs and set up businesses and get them into training and just helping vets, helping vets, which is a wonderful, wonderful idea. And I know if you check out the website, they'd be eternally grateful. It's hccvet.org. But I got talking to them and they said many things. But one of the things they said to them was they need the one thing that they seem missing in the world today in many ways is purpose. Everyone wants to compare you to everyone else. They want to say, well, we're better than them. We're better than them. And badmouth our opponents. Or we want to put people on a pedestal and say, well, we're, we're, we're not them. We're not the best, but we're, we are who we are. And he said, I don't want to discuss anyone else. I want to talk to you about my purpose on life. I want to discuss my vision for the organization. He said, that's my purpose. That's my calling. And any opportunity I get to discuss it, why would I go waste it discussing other principles or other organizations, good or bad? We only get an infinite amount of time in this world. Why discuss something good or bad about someone else and not yourself? I've tried to do it, but I've lacked the focus. And that's been honest with you. I'm trying my best to portray the principles I believe in, the traditional American principles, and I'm going to cont- I'm going to try and refocus and just get onto those principles for every show, not get dragged into the to the daily mess that is politics. I got to take one more quick break, America. Don't go anywhere. I'll be right back because I want to share a story with you about where I visited in D.C. And what I learned from Arlington National Cemetery. I'll be right back, America. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Don't miss Pat and Stu. I specifically talked to my youngest son the last time he went in for his physical and stuff. They're going to be telling them everything about us. <laughs> I bet you've had that talk with him many, many yes, times. And that has nothing Whatever, to- I'm just saying, you know, the doctors can, you're right, Stu. What were you the worried about? The doctors can ask anything they want, but I'm knowing what my don't son. What need to know? What are you I'm worried about? I'm not going to tell you what I don't want the doctors to know. Pat and Stu, weekdays at 5 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on demand. Thank you so much for sticking with me, America. So not only was I in D.C. last week, but I also got to do a couple of touristy things. I didn't get to do much because CPAC was a lot of work. Um, 
you know, 27 hours of live coverage was hard, but the hundreds of hours of prep beforehand was really, really something. It seemed like a great idea. Yeah, we'll do 27 hours of live coverage. It sounds wonderful. Doing it was a whole different kettle of fish. But I did get to see a couple of sites, and I was really excited to to see one. I got to see on the Monday. I, I went got to go to Mount Vernon. And if you've listened to this show long enough, you know I'm a big George Washington fan, to put it mildly. And it was awesome to get to visit Mount Vernon. It's incredibly beautiful. It's incredibly well-maintained. The only thing I didn't like, and this is nothing to do with Mount Vernon, was I went on President's Day, uh, or as I like to call it, George Washington's birthday. And it was full. And there was a lot of people around, which made it hard. But I got to see the museum. I got to see the artifacts. I got to read the history. But what inspired me the most about it was, and this is just a follow-up on what we were just discussing about opportunities, was I got talking to the bus driver who brought you from the car park to actually Mount Vernon. And he said, this year, there is 10 times the amount of people at Mount Vernon on President's Day than there is normally. Easily 10 times. And he said, to put that into context, it's even more, because people said, oh, well, that's just the weather. It's just a beautiful, beautiful spring day in February. It was lovely and warm. I think it was in the 60s. And he said, well... He said that might be part of it, but he also said that there's not this many people on the 4th of July. I think there's a great opportunity ahead of us. People are striving for knowledge. People are curious about systems, about the history of their country. And going around Mount Vernon and and listening to people, how they talk to their kids, some of it was really in-depth. Some of it, I heard some things that made me want to just go, oh, for the love of God. Um, I, I, Some people, I just wanted to cry. There was a, a couple ahead of me, and they repeatedly told their son the revolution was over taxes on tea. Anything else, mommy? Nope, just taxes. I'm like, do you read anything on the walls that's here in Mount Vernon? But... Uh, that was mind-numbingly frustrating. I wanted to take the kid and kind of go, hey, look, just ignore Evan and Mommy and Daddy says, just talk to me for a few minutes, I'll I'll educate you. Um, And I'll tell you some stories that you might appreciate, but it's not my turn, and they might have been taken the wrong way. But I I look forward to going back, because it was beautiful, the landscapes were beautiful. The, The way they've kept everything is just unbelievable. It's classy... It's It puts you back in time. And I loved just standing around it and just imagining how things must have been 200 years ago. It must have been a wonderful piece of land to own. So kudos to Mount Vernon for, for upkeeping it and just making it available for people to visit. But the biggest... I 
thing I want to talk to you about is I got to visit Arlington National Cemetery. And everything I'd heard about it didn't do it justice. Everything I'd ever envisaged um, Arlington National Cemetery to be was nothing to compare to what it was. What struck me most was the row upon row of white headstones. It's incredible to stand in the middle of it and to have them in front of you, behind you, on either side of you. And to really see those rolling hills. To see the dot, 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 the white headstone. Simple and humble. But each having an identity about it. Each one having a story. And each one united by the service and love of their country. It was incredible to see. But I'll come back to Arlington, the General Cemetery, in a minute. Because I want to talk to you about it. About the servicemen and women who are buried there. But potentially even more breathtaking was this. You know, there are many reasons America is just unique. And the way you honor people, the way you honor and you never forget people is is just incredible. I had the honor of going to Arlington with a good buddy of mine, Dylan. He's a Navy vet. And we walked up the, the big rolling hill up to the tomb of the unknown soldier. And the emotions are just incredible. The n- emotion that just hits you when you walk up there of the sacrifice that generation after generation have made in the pursuit of freedom. But as you get to the tomb of the unknown soldier, I've always seen pictures of the cold weather, of the hot, extremely hot weather, of snow, of rain. And yet there's always one soldier walking up and down a mass. One of the most impressive things I have ever seen is something I wonder how many people noticed when they go to the tomb of the unknown soldier. As I got up to the the tomb, there's a barrier in front and I just went in the front row. And I was just very emotional and I said a prayer and something hit me. The mat the soldiers walk on, 
It's the same routine. Maybe 12 feet long. You turn, you click your shoe, you turn again to face the other way, you click your shoe, you change your gun position, you pause, you walk to the other end, and you repeat. That is the routine consistently. In this world where we are entitled, we've let all our emotions be shown, we have bad days and we phone in our jobs. One thing that struck me was if you look very carefully at that mass, there is imprints in the exact same place. Now, the imprints are big because, obviously, shoe size. Some people might have smaller feet and some people have bigger feet. But you see an imprint, a gap in a mat, another imprint, a gap in a mat, another imprint, a gap in a mat, another imprint, another gap. And what struck me most is if I told you that was your job, You'll walk, I don't know the distance, 10, 12, 14 feet. You'll turn around and walk backwards. At some point, you got to figure it's mundane. It gets boring. At some point, even if you don't feel that, you might just lose focus. Your mind might drift off. But what was clear to me to the men and the soldiers and the women who have the honor of walking up and down that piece of carpet, that mat. It means everything to them. They are focused on all the little things that matter so, so much. In this crazy world, I looked and I kind of went, wow, that is one hell of a routine. It must be so empowering to have that. To know exactly what you have to do and when. As I watched the gentleman who was the soldier that day, everything had a purpose, everything had a reason, nothing was out of place. It was inspiring. I know I couldn't do the job. I know I would lose focus. I know I would also... I can't imagine it's easy. Your legs would get sore, they'd get tired. But to pay that much respect to an unknown soldier is incredible. It was breathtaking. And it was inspiring. Because at that point in time, at any point in time, all you can do is your job. And they did it step by step by step by step. It was breathtaking. If you've never been, 
I strongly recommend you go. I bought something in the in the gift shop in Arlington. It's a little fridge magnet. And I want to read out to you what it says, because I'd never heard this before. And I think you might appreciate it. It's called the Sentinel's Creed. My dedication to this sacred duty is total and wholehearted. In the responsibility bestowed on me, never will I falter. And with dignity and perseverance, my standard will remain perfection. Through the years of diligence and praise, add the discomfort of the elements. I will walk my tour in humble reverence to the best of my ability. It is he who commands the respect I protect, his bravery that made us so proud. Surrounded by men, well-meaning crowds by day, alone in the thoughtful peace at night, this soldier will in honoured glory rest under my eternal vigilance. That is the Sentinel's Creed. I'd never heard it before. But it touched me when I read it, and it is something I will hold dear from now on. In a world that tells us we have no heroes, in a world where some politicians, some members of the media, and parts of our culture will tell you vets suck, police suck. I say to you, you're missing out and an experience and a relationship that will never be beat. You are missing out on standing with some of the greatest men and women ever born. You are doing yourself and your country disservice by not honoring them. Because everything they do honors and protects each and every one of you. That was the Sentinel's Creed. And if you've never been to Arlington, I strongly suggest you take a visit. I gotta take one last quick break, America. I'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on demand. The Blaze Radio Network. Two thousand seventeen is going to be a volatile economic year. We may see politicians throughout the world attempting to control central bank policies. Several renowned financial analysts have warned that political interference in central bank policies may mean our economic misses of inflation and growth targets. Gold is an international currency that can't be issued or controlled by governments. If you don't have the only hard currency that has outlasted every politician and every failed idea of governments for centuries, you need to speak to Goldline right now and learn how easy 
it is to add gold to your portfolio or IRA. Now is the time to diversify your financial portfolio by adding gold. Call 1-800-913-GOLD. Buying real gold is easy and fast at Goldline. And you're going to be happy that you finally made the call. 1-800-913-4653. Goldline also offers price protection against short-term market fluctuations on qualifying purchases. So buy with confidence. Read Goldline's important risk information and find out if buying gold is right for you. Call Goldline. 1-800-913-4653. Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Thank you so much for sticking with me, America. I just want to finish today's show by making two very quick points. The first one is I want to bring you back to Arlington Cemetery. As I stood there in the middle of those row upon rows of little white markers I asked myself many questions including if they could see America today would they still make that sacrifice the biggest and most ultimate sacrifice you can make for someone else would they still have thought it was worth it as I pondered that question I I thought a lot about people's journeys, my journey, my friends' journeys. I'm seeing a growing number of my friends on social media take a lesser role, changing focuses. At some point in your life, whether it's in politics, whether it's in speaking out, whether it's in social media, whether it's in jobs, whether it's in family... The easiest thing you will do is quit. The easiest thing you will do is just, I just can't do it anymore. I just can't continue on the path I'm on. As I looked upon those rows and rows of Stars of David's and the Crosses, They all face different issues. They all face different tribulations. They all face different enemies. They all lived at different times. Yet I'm betting many of them have the same feelings and emotions that each and every one of us has right now. I'm sure many of them had a sense of loss, a sense of hopelessness, A sense of this enemy is just so strong and we can't overcome it. Yet they did. They didn't give up. They kept fighting. They kept doing what was right. You know, in this world that we live in, it's easy to look down on others. But sometimes all you can do in this world is try and do the right thing. And sometimes that will require you making the ultimate sacrifice. You 
you know, the more I've learned about your principles and your history, the more I realize that not only our rights come from God, but we're stewards of them. And it is our duty and responsibility to take those rights, protect them, preserve them, defend them, and pass them on to a future generation so that our kids and our grandkids can have the exact same rights we have. Your ancestors did that in many different places at many different times. Many paid the ultimate sacrifice. You know, there have been times I've thought about quitting and walking away. And let's be honest, I have the easiest out maybe than anyone has. The amount of times I get told by Irish people, why don't you care about, why do you care so much about a country that you don't belong to? Why do you care about so much about a country that doesn't want you? If I wanted to, I could, I'd find it very easy potentially to walk away. I could just walk away and go, you know what? You don't want me. You've never wanted me. And heck, I'm not an American, so <laughs> let Americans solve America's problems. And just walk away. That'd be an easy thing to do. Actually, it probably wouldn't be. But in the grand scheme of things, it would be. I just can't do it. Because going back to Arlington, as I looked upon them rows upon rows upon rows of white markers, I realized the times are different. The enemies were different. The situations were different. The technology was different. But when you boil everything down, we all have one thing in common. We're all fighting for a better tomorrow. We're all sacrificing for a better tomorrow. For that hope, for that feeling, for that emotion that says, tomorrow can be a better day. That is something that makes me that drives me, that makes me be focused on doing the right thing. And I want to tie that into point two. So last week I was in D.C. I was there for a week. I was covering CPAC. And last Sunday I had to do something I always hate doing. It's coming back to Ireland. I have to leave where my the home where my heart and my soul is and come back to Ireland. And as I returned the rental car and went through TSA and got to my gate, I was sitting in Dulles Airport and I was filled with emotions because honestly I didn't want to get on that plane. I really didn't. And I thought about this crazy world we live in. No one ever talks about people like me when it comes to the immigration debate. You very rarely hear 
about the 5 million people like me who are waiting in line to achieve the American dream. You just never hear it. It's a long battle. It's not an easy battle. It's taking time, it takes money, and it's just a hard journey to get to America. Especially when you're someone like me. It takes a lot for someone to see something in you and go, I'm going to help you, I'm going to give you a job. I'm going to help you through the immigration system, and I'm, and I'm going to help you become a better person and give you the opportunity to serve America been close on many occasions but it's just never happened but as I was there in Dulles airport sitting at the gate I thought no one ever talks about people like me all I have to do right now is to tear up my ticket throw it in a bin and walk out just walk away And all of a sudden, my world changes. My world changes from no one ever talking about me to all of a sudden, your politicians... Now, if they found out who I was, I'm sure this would change, but in theory, your politicians would fight for me. I'd have a grandiose name. I'd be called a dreamer. I'd have people, including presidents, senators, politicians going... We need immigration reform. They committed no crime. Even though I ignored your immigration system rules and systems, but let's just leave that for another day. I'd have people fighting. I'd have strangers holding up signs in my cause just because I decided to say I belong in America. I love America. Just, I just committed this one little crime there's even a theory out there it's you can look it up in your own time it's it's the balance sheet theory and basically the it's the simplified version of it is on your left column you have everything you've done good in the world and on the right column you have everything you've done bad and basically you take one another and if you've got a positive you're a good person if you've got negative you're a bad person I could have even convinced myself that, you know, if I just do this one crime on my balance sheet, just ignore your rules. I could convince myself going, you know what, if I just break this law and stay here, it won't be all for me. I'll Look, it'll benefit America. Be able to speak out more. Be able to do more charity work. Be able to help others. Be able to help and serve your country. I do all the volunteering in churches and different capacities. You know, heck, me being there is a net benefit to your country. I could fool myself at that. But then as I was thinking all these things, and they were all nice things, because I want to be part of your country so much. I want to be an American. I want to be free. I want to be in the land that I've always felt comfortable in. However, sometimes life really sucks.
Here's the truth. I'm not entitled to a damn thing. I was never forced to do anything I've ever done. I wasn't forced to do this show on the blaze. I wasn't forced to do work at Lanterns. I wasn't forced to work for any other company. When I joined each and every one, I knew that it was on a voluntary basis and there was never hope of a promise. I could look and say, well, I just do so much good, you know, just do one crime. There is nothing I could do to repair the damage I would do to America by going there illegally. All this stuff is just emotions and fluff about what I might think to justify bad behavior. I am not entitled to an America. I am not entitled to anyone else's goods. I am not entitled to anything. Everything I do, I do with the hope that it makes a difference. That it helps your wonderful nation. And that someday, somehow, someone sees me and takes a gamble on me. You know, everyone wants to make life easier today. You hear all the politicians and the media and the spin doctors. They want to take your pain away. They want to make your life easier. They go, we just care about you. We want to make your job easier. Well, if you open any page in scriptures, the first page, the last page, any page in the middle, there's nothing in there about life been easy. Life is about doing the right thing. Not justifying it. Not justifying bad behavior. Just doing what you know is morally right. That is what I intend to do. And I intend to honor and respect those who have come before me, but Americans and around the world who have done the right thing, who have made the ultimate sacrifice. Because that ultimately, I think, in many ways, is what life about is about. It's about doing the right thing, even when it screws you personally. Ah, <gasps> did I say that? Yeah, I did. Life sometimes is about doing the right thing, even when it screws you personally. Even when it makes you draw the card that says you have to make the ultimate sacrifice. As I stood there in Arlington, I realized these feelings. And it reminded me of why I'm so positive about America. Because as I saw each and one of those white markers all around me in many different directions, it reinforced to me that each generation of Americans has had a sacrifice to make. And sadly, each generation has had to make that sacrifice. But it has raised to that standard. It has stood up to that standard. And the bravest among us have made it. It is why this show will always salute those who serve, who make the ultimate sacrifice. And with that, I finish the show the way I always do, America. By saluting the real heroes in society, your police, 
your firefighters, your emergency personnel, and your vets. Never, ever forget those who came before us. They are the real heroes in society. And lastly, if you've never heard nothing of what I've said in the last hour, just remember this. America is great because Americans are good. Americans are great. America is great because Americans are good. That's each and every one of you. Each and every one of you has a role to play in the revival of America. Each and every one of you has a purpose, has a mission. Never forget that. Until next week, America. Have a beautiful and blessed week. And God bless America. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network.